Welcome to Where's My Blueprint Podcast, where we talk about all things adulting, our experiences, navigating adulthood, and what we learned along the way. We invite you to join our weekly conversations while we create our own blueprints on this amazing journey and hope some of the lessons we learned can help you. Here are my co-hosts, Nay and Sunny D. Hey everybody, it's your girl Sunny D here to brighten up your day. I'm a new business owner transitioning from corporate America. And frankly, I can't trust anybody that don't like tacos. Hey friends, I'm Nay. I'm so excited to share and grow with y'all. I'm a full-time wife, full-time mommy, and part-time employee. Nutella is my love language. This is your girl, Nakai, and I am your host on Where's My Blueprint Podcast. I am so excited to have you guys here, and I love brownies and seaweed. So let's get to the episode. Hey, welcome back to Where's My Blueprint Podcast, episode 34. I hope you all are staying cool and ready to hit the pool this weekend. The heat is heating up and I am ready for a trip because it's time for a girl's trip. Anywho, before we start, a word from our sponsor. Hey friends, what's going on? Put on sunscreen, it's important. Anywho, this episode is brought to you by Divine Timing, your one-stop shop for all things adulting. They have everything on their website that is digitally downloadable, so it'll go directly to your device. It's super instantaneous which is very awesome your planners journals all the things and you can type in the code wmb22 at checkout and save 22 percent on everything online so get your life so y'all know we start out every single episode with a quote today's quote is makeup is not a mask that covers up your beauty it is a weapon that helps you express who you are from the inside by michelle fan what did y'all think about that <laughs> Um, it was cool. I like that. I, I like that quote. Yeah. Especially me being a makeup artist. I'm trying to think if I even look at makeup as being like a weapon to express who I am. But honestly, I used makeup when I first started wearing makeup. It was the cover. It was the cover. My Because I, I used to get made fun of for being dark skinned. So I used to, let me tell you, the mind is a powerful thing. I used to feel like I couldn't see my face. I felt like I was so black. I couldn't see my features. So I would wear makeup to make my features stand out more. And then I had horrible acne when I was in middle in high school and middle school. So, and I had extreme hyperpigmentation. So I used to pick, I couldn't stand texture on my skin. So I would like pick the bumps and mess with them. And but I would have these black spots on my face. And so I would use makeup to cover it because I was ashamed of it. But yes, I, so yeah, when I hear that quote, it doesn't necessarily resonate with me because that's not, that wasn't my, that's not my story. I already know in the I want to dig so deep into this, but um, I like that quote as well. I don't wear makeup because I'm lazy and I never want to take it off at the end of the night, but I love women who can use it as just like art tools and paint their face into the most beautiful canvas. So I really do love this quote. Nay and I are right here with it. I have tons of makeup. Love it. Good trip to Ulta. Love it. Best days of my life. Do I ever put it on? No, because I'm lazy and I'd rather sleep. And then also when I do do my face and I beat it and I'm like, everybody needs to see this. So I just go to random places because not enough people have seen me today. So I'll go to Target or go wherever. But then at the end of the day, I don't want to take it off because again, lazy. So that's relatable. But I absolutely appreciate the artistry that cosmetology is and being able to really transform like facial features and stuff like that, which I think is really, I think it's an amazing skill set and props to any and every person who was able to to do that and make it make it something because I do think at that point that it does kind of 
kind of transforms to a weapon where you can express yourself and you can be creative. But I definitely don't think it always starts off that way. I think a lot of people relate to your storybook and utilizing it to cover those things because that's how that's how we kind of learned about makeup and how to do it. At least I think that's that says it for the majority of people. So I can relate to both of you guys. So Nay already hit the hammer on the nail. So we're gonna dig deep into this because I am more of <laughs> the one that's like, ooh, let me dig deep into this. What is this? And like that more psychological background. So I'm not letting that off the hook. I wrote it down, boo. So we coming back to it. Let you know that now. But listeners, I know y'all heard we have a new voice today and her name is Brooke so Brooke you already talked to us a little bit but I want you to introduce yourself to our listeners well my name is Chastity Brooke Mara but I go by Brooke and uh, I am from East Texas I am a makeup artist turned PMU artist Um, I was in the cosmetic retail industry for about 13 years I've worked for pretty much everyone from the bottom up of uh, Stila to Mac to Anastasia to Nars to uh, Hourglass to Estee Lauder to Armani YSL Lemire. I was a account coordinator for Clarisonic. I worked for everybody. I've worked for, and I and I wanted to because I wanted to be a what you would call a beauty stylist, kind of like what a fashion stylist is but to beauty and cosmetics. And I was about 29. I think my last like Cosmo job was at a counter was I was the, I was a counter manager at the YSL counter at uh, North Park Nordstrom's. And I, uh, I don't know, I was just like, the malls were dying. People were wanting more of a independent experience in the mall. So, you know, Sephora's were doing really good. Pe- you know, people were uh, creating like outside malls or outside shopping experiencing um, experiences too now as y'all see and people want to you know go into Ulta's and Sephora's they don't want that they didn't want they didn't trust I guess people at the counter they thought that you know our intentions weren't we're solely to that brand and not going to, you know, expose them to something more or whatever. So anyways, we weren't making money like that. People don't shop at the malls anymore. So I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. Like, how am I going to make a million dollars? Like, where, how am I going to do this? Like, you know, and I'm not really good at, I'm not really good working. For, I've never been good working for anybody. That's why I've worked for so many different companies because it's, it's just best that I work for myself. And so anyways, me and my homegirl, we were trying to figure out uh, what we were going to do as far as um, what was next to get out of cosmetics. And, you know, we heard about I had a podcast called The Vanity Podcast. We ended up interviewing a chick. Uh, It was The Vanity Podcast. Okay, we'll go on to that later. But anyways, we was interviewing a chick who's really big in Dallas who does microblading. And I kind of was interested in it. And I'm thinking I've been an artist all my life since I was a little girl. Everything I've I've only made money off my hand. And well, as far as for art. And so I was like, this is going to be perfect. Like that's my, and that's my niche in makeup is skin, brows, and I can cocktail a mean lip color. So I don't know. I just thought it was going to be easy. I went and got trained um, by a lady named Sierra Amir. She's based out of Oklahoma. Um, my homegirl, we were kind of deciding, you know, who we wanted to get to train us. And I wanted to spend my money black. And she went with another like big company, but Sierra was able to give me one-on-one training. And she's been my mentor ever since. That was back in like October of 2018. So I left the counter in 2017, went to Cosmo school, went to cosmetology school, I mean, esthetician school right after I got trained just so I could learn about 
to skin more. And that was kind of during the pandemic, I think like 2019, 2020. Yeah. And so ever since then, I opened, uh, I worked for a lady for a year, worked under um, a PMU uh, studio for a year, got a year's worth of clientele, opened up my own studio, B-Beauty Studio. I'm the owner of B-Beauty Studio. I'm very, very proud of. I um, had finished my first year back in March, like my full first year, like in my own suite, because I left um, Browbeat, uh, which is the company I was working for in tw- uh, December of 2020. And uh, me and my homegirl, the one I was originally working, uh, going through this journey with, uh, she already had a studio and uh, she was the um, counter manager for the Anastasia Brow Bar. So, you know, Brows is already her thing and she already had her own clientele. So she transitioned over faster than I did uh, but she helped me out she's amazing and um, she's still one of my uh, mentors as well too and um, yeah and then she let me borrow her studio for a couple months and now I'm here I love that whole entire story and first and foremost kudos to you because when you said making money off my hands I was like come on chick yes um and never ever ever compare yourself to anybody else because you are running your own race and you are in your own space and you are doing your whole entire thing and like we said you are freaking amazing and so um you got this but we gonna our audience knows they know we do an either or every single episode and so we're gonna give you an either or okay you ready for this girl yes 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 so today's either or is playing video games or playing board games video games all day all day i don't play board board games are are, (laughs) this is gonna sound so harsh but i don't know that they depend on the board game but they're they're, they sound primitive like the video games are just more like psychological and you know i like like i play gears of war i play shooting games and fighting games. I was going to ask you what types of video games. Yeah, I like shooting games. Uh, me, because I had two brothers. So Gears of War, I play Resident Evil. I play Call of Duty with my brothers. We'll play Tekken. We'll play uh, Street Fighter, Naruto, because I still watch anime. So yeah. Classics. So I broke in the Resident Difficult one out of all of us. I am going to go with electronic board games. Hear me out. There is nothing more fun than playing Candyland or Monopoly on the iPad. They don't sell them anymore, but that was the most fun Monopoly game because Monopoly gets boring. Let's all be honest. Monopoly go on for 47 years and nobody has won yet. But on the iPad, it is super fun. So I'm going with electronic board games. Okay. I can see that. I am going with both. And I say that I know, I know, because if we're looking at board games, some board games are really fun, like trouble, sorry. And like you knocking people back, like, ha ha, get back to your house. You know, it's like that competitive edge. And then like, I love, love, love racing video games. Like I used to have, I don't know, you had brothers. So you know about Sega, you know about the PlayStation 1, 2, well, I don't know what number we're on now, but I used to have like these racing games games four or five we're on playstation five but um i used to have an xbox i used to have a sega i used to have a playstation and they all were like mainly racing games like i had grand theft auto probably shouldn't have ever had that game when i was younger but <laughs> had that game in there like running over people <laughs> and everything so i'm a, i'm I, I, i'm both nakai is our old people man game is that a board game no that's a learning game <laughs> 
It's a um, game that I love. It's like technically marbles and you move the marbles, but it's strategic. So it teaches you strategy, critical thinking, math, and just fun. But not a lot of people like the game because they're like, this is boring. I don't want to just move marbles. So they call me old. I'm the resident old lady on the podcast. So Nakaya is absolutely 76 for sure. I wanted to pose this either or because I thought that this was an interesting question because I was certain somebody including myself would be like both or have some sort of caveats as we do because we're on brand and I am absolutely no different so if we're talking shooting video games if we're talking racing games if we're talking good old classics like Tetris that's my jam all day every day all day bejeweled like all of it I could do the video games all day long now board games we absolutely have Clue that's probably my favorite game of all time Clue is my favorite uh the game of life is always fun because you try to figure out how many kids you're gonna have you're gonna have to be married what kind of house you're gonna be in if you're gonna be in the projects by the end of the game it is so fun and we do have Monopoly but Monopoly be taking forever just like Nay said however we we found a Monopoly Empire game, which is now you have to buy like companies and corporations. So there's like Carnival, there's like Chase, and you have to like build your tower of an empire. And once you get to the top, then the game is over. So there's like a definite end to that Monopoly game, which we can appreciate because we don't have the time. Let's be real. So in our family, we do we do a lot of board games. All right. I love that. And I want that new Empire game. I'll play that Monopoly. And then do y'all remember the game, like the shooting? game where you shoot the duck duck hunt yeah. duck hunt go ahead bro that's on the Ninten- that's on the N- nintendo the duck hunt uh game so and then you got the mario and i don't know why i get goosebumps when i hit it now my favorite was parappa the rapper <gasps> no that was like my favorite game i forgot about that game do y'all remember that yo that game okay so side note because i never get off topic you could go online my brother and i discovered this not too long ago that there is an entire gameplay of parappa the rapper where we can like watch like someone play it like from start to feel like all the songs doing all the thing i was living my best life when we found this video that and tumba 2 tumba 2 is also one of our favorite games that we used to play on playstation but yeah you could go on like youtube and watch the whole gameplay of parappa the rapper and it's get your lives listeners you need to do it treat yourself i love this that we just all went down went back down memory lane so that was a good either or So we are going to go ahead and get into this episode. And so listeners, as you know, this is African-American Entrepreneurship Month. And so as you already heard, we have Brooke in the house with us today. And so Brooke, as you know, we are a podcast that we focus on adulting, our transition into adulting, whatever that really means for us. And then we have a blueprint. So my question for you is, how would you describe adulting? I would describe adulting... (laughs) As because I honestly, for real, for real, just this past week, I was telling my mom, and my grandmother, that I, I finally think I finally feel like I'm an adult. And I think what adulting is at 34 or 30, about to be 34, adulting is managing and balancing your life managing like having it down that's what adulting is like it's so much that you have to manage it's so much that you have to balance not just in the physical realm but in the spiritual and emotional and mental realm it's constant managing constant balancing every day that's adulting 
I feel like the Lord is speaking to me through you, child, because ain't that the truth? <laughs> you a good one, because that just told me I ain't an adult yet. I'm okay with it. It's hard out here for a pimp. We ain't trying to make the money for the rent. <laughs> It's hard. It's hard because I don't do anything 100% every day, every hour. And I have a 16-year-old too. So, and try, I feel like I'm not doing anything right. I feel like, and then I feel like I'm also running out of time to teach her all the things I need to teach her while I've been trying to hustle to survive. Like, it's like, it's hard, but that's adulting. It is what it is. I, I wanted, you You mentioned that it kind of sparked something like, I don't have any children yet biologically. And it definitely I wonder how how do you feel getting to the point now where you feel like now at your age you've gotten to the point where you feel like okay this is what adulting is you feel like you kind of got a handle on it but then you also have a 16 year old and you're trying to make sure she's prepared as best as you can while you just now have figured that out what what is that like what are those feelings what are those thought processes every day is a new tribulation or a trial or whatever the case may be but I've just wanted to be uh, I I did want my daughter to watch me go through this entire process I told her and I've been telling her this for years I have not been sitting on this wisdom for 10 years or five years and all of a sudden I decide to share it with you okay literally you are catching it all my flaws all my mistakes in real time you're catching it so if I tell you something literally just because five minutes ago I just learned it I just learned it five minutes ago so I'm telling you now I'm seeing something that you're doing that I you know what I mean because I can't I can't I tell her I can't it's I have to try to raise you from every age that you are I can't always give you all the tools it's just it's time and I tell her that's why it's very important to me and her spend time together the more time we spend together the more perspective I can give you because I can't, I can, I can't, there is really no blueprint to life. I don't believe Um, Jay-Z says the game changes when the players change. And I truly believe that. I don't think that everyone's experience and, and failures are going to apply to me or my failures are going to apply to you. But this is just a narrative or a perspective that I've experienced. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Oh, that made tons of sense. And that was so freaking beautiful because when you said just because like my mistakes or, and I don't believe in mistakes, they're lesson learned because as you said, you can teach your daughter, right? And your daughter is at a different place in life than you are. And the beauty is she may not see it because, you know, teenagers be teenager. The fact that she's seeing you hustle, work hard, provide, making monies with your hands, but also not working for someone else, like actually putting in the grind, putting in that work. Now she, you may not know because she may not tell you, but her mentality is changing from employee to entrepreneur. Or as I would say, like she's becoming the lender, not the borrower, right? If we're going biblical. And so keep doing what you're doing. Keep sowing those seeds. And like when you, like you said, when you learn something, tell her like, hey, keep doing what you're doing. Like the beautiful, the most, and I'm gonna wrap this up because I know I'm about to go on a tangent, but um, the most amazing lessons and the best experience in life is the action or watching. If you have a front row seat to finding or seeing someone building a business that is the best that's the best uh, internship you can ever have so I'm gonna chime out and let the ladies speak because I saw them so what are four words you would use to describe your journey into as you said this beautiful balancing act of managing and balancing of adulthood I would say chaos emotional (laughs) um resilience and God honestly it's all it's 
all the Lord, L-O-R-D. Those, those, those are my four letters to, the, to, the, to describe my journey to adulthood, L-O-R-D. I love that, especially when you are building a business. Hell, when you have a kid, that's the prayer that happens of Lord. <laughs> and I'm speaking like, I don't have children either, but I know who, how I was as a teenager. And I know how I was as a kid. And I know the prayers that my parents used to, or my grandparents used to pray over me of like, Lord, don't let me take her out today. Lord, give me the patience because she about to die. She about to come see you. I'm about to take her back. So <laughs> those words I love. So tell me a little bit more about emotional and resilient. Uh, emotionally, because, and I don't know if my experience, my experience is different because I had a child at 17. So it's like, I I'm juggling mommy guilt. Okay. Uh, one stage of mommy guilt was not providing her the life that my parents provided me something nice, you know, you know, trying to have, give her something nice. I have tried to stay in the nicest areas and the nicest places and all these things because I did not want my daughter to grow up in an in impoverished neighborhood, you know, where she's seen that I wasn't able to provide taking her own vacations and stuff all the time, like my parents were able to do. So then there's that, that you do with while trying to hustle and make the money and go to work every day and try to figure this stuff out which with what you're going to do to make a million dollars how am i going to make a million dollars okay how how at 22 with a five-year-old you know what i mean or 20 or 23 with a five-year-old whatever um and i moved to east texas and i left my daughter behind i left her in east texas to move to dallas because my mama was trying to kick me out the house you know she's like you need to, it's time for you to go you need to get your your and which is fine. I don't blame her for that because I didn't know what to do. I didn't. If she would have never pushed me, I would have never left. Until that right now, I need a push. You, I gotta. I have to have fire up under my butt for me to make a move because that's just how I am. That's just who. That's how I'm wired. And um, I left my daughter, and that was hard, man. Like for the first year, that was hard, and I, I still was holding on to depression uh, for having her at 17 because my grandfather was a pastor, my grandmother was a teacher. You know, my mom and dad. I just grew up in this kind of Huxtable is, you know, upbringing where, you know, assimilating Black folks, okay, raised by assimilating Black people. Okay, all we do is talk about the Lord and your in your education. Okay, and then I got pregnant at 17. Okay, the grandfather's granddaughter, his first granddaughter, <laughs> pregnant. You know, my grandmother got a degree, my aunt's in school getting her bachelor's, you know, my mom didn't, but she got married and you know, had her three kids and had a really good job. Her and my dad, you know, just and here I am in my mind at the time a statistic, you know, and I'm embarrassed, embarrassed by it. Cause I used to talk bad about girls in high school who got pregnant. I feel she nasty. Like, ugh, like how dumb can you be to sit there and get pregnant? You know, that's how I did. I did that. Then I got pregnant and I was embarrassed. And I held that shame for like five years. And then when I moved to Dallas, why I started going by Brooke, I reinvented myself, forgave, decided, made a just choice to forgive, made a choice, a decision to forgive myself for getting pregnant. And then, you know, I don't know. It's just a lot, man. It's 10 years or 11 years worth of just emotional ups and downs. Then blaming myself for the for the man that I chose to have a child with. You know, not that I, getting pregnant was a mistake, but I chose to give birth to her. And um, I made a mistake with who I got pregnant by. And, you know, that was, yeah, it's just that. 
that's all just, you know, mistakes, just guilt, mommy guilt. And even now, like, I feel like because I'm in, I'm trying to run a business, you know, trying to, trying to make this business successful, I'm missing out on time with my child. I'm missing out on time with her. And then I feel that guilt because, and then I go to the gym every day. I got to go to the gym. You know what I mean? To keep my freaking mental stable, my emotional state stable. And I'm, then I'm still, these are the things that I do to put me first, my business, my, me going to the gym. But I got to spend time with my baby girl and then mommy guilt just be weighing on me. And that's adulting and emotion, the emotional roller coaster of it. Yeah, you said that so eloquently that I'm like over here clapping like really loud. There is a lot of questions, follow up questions I have for you. And the girls already know. <laughs> so y'all just chime in. To first and foremost, like I said, I am not a mother. However, you said you had your child when you were 17. My my mom had me and my older sister when she was in high school too. So we we had conversations. That's one thing that she struggles with is that mommy guilt. And I'm like, we of age, forgive yourself, move on. But it's that what you were talking about, that core bond of that relationship, right? And I think, and this, believe me, I am not a therapist. I am not any psychological type of person like that. Like, audience do not come for me do not put sue me or anything like that I'm telling y'all this now this is just my opinion (laughs) that like her seeing you work yes it's like taking time because I think of like when you're building a business whether you have a family with no kids or you have a family with kids or you by yourself you can't be everything to everybody and the fact that you said business and gym gym is your men your how you stay sane baby go to the gym first and foremost hashtag goals because I need to be in the gym but you go to the gym I say that's beautiful why because if you can't do something for yourself and you can't be able to balance your mentality how are you going to show up for your child how are you going to show up for your business hell how are you going to show up for yourself so that was that but then my next question is sorry I just want to say that but my follow-up question is you said that growing up in a bible belt which is like religion everywhere and all of that and you got pregnant early how did that affect your mentality as getting into entrepreneurship like how did that affect yeah how did that affect your mentality on your entrepreneurship journey yeah I know what you're saying I I am a very competitive person okay and uh, I think my competitiveness is what pushes me Um, I do not want to be a statistic so I had to do everything I could to fight against becoming one when I thought of being pregnant at 17 when I initially found out and people please don't come for me and women I understand people this is when I was these are the thoughts of a 17 year old girl these are not the thoughts of a 34 year old woman I understand I have a lot more experience and I understand have a more perspective and understanding but when I was 17 when I thought a statistic was was those girls that work at Walmart in customer service would be miserable with a stank attitude you know what I'm do y'all know what I'm talking about like that girl like I was like that I, that's not gonna be me I'm not gonna be the girl at Walmart with a stank attitude you know miserable you know working in customer service that wasn't gonna be me I just couldn't so I had in my mom my parents they were like well you should get a job and I wasn't gonna I didn't want to work in in a uh, chemical company either that wasn't I wasn't gonna work because that's what the options were either you're gonna be a nurse you're gonna work at the hospital somewhere uh you work at Walmart or you you know work at the on at Eastman at the chemical company and that one gonna mean 
I love Didi. I used to watch Puffy and I'll be watching all his interviews. And I was like, man, I want to be Diddy when I, I want to be like Diddy. Like he was my mentor in my head. And I, I, I loved his energy and I loved his, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's just, I didn't want to be, I'm just, I fight hard. So that was like, yeah. And I, then it, it's entrepreneurship. I want it more. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I apologize for cutting you off. That's my fault. I was just going to say like, I love that because we talked earlier to um another guest and she said she had to literally get out of her environment to grow. And I love that because you just basically said the same thing. Like you got to get out your environment, like having four options and the, having that in your men- mental state of like looking around and you have four options. And then you get out of that environment and realize, baby, it's endless. Like it's limitless. It's endless possibilities out here. You just have to put in the work and do it right. I am going to circle back to a question that you said when we first started. And I say this because I had a conversation with one of my friends about this, about being pretty as being pretty for a dark girl. And I say that because when you said you were doing makeup to like hide your dark features, I wanted to dig dig a little bit deeper into that. So tell me a little bit more more about that so I uh, where I grew up there's a lot of first of all black people don't come from money okay black people don't come from money so the majority of black folks don't come from the hood that's just where it is what it is okay or from you know yeah you're not gonna so in the country or in the south or wherever or in the hood or in impoverished areas you know black people have a particular mentality but which is so funny my grandmother is super light-skinned like high yellow right and she got made fun of for being light-skinned so she don't even like her light skin color. But then me, I got made fun of for being dark skin by boys. They called me Skillet. When when Big Mo came out with the ball of baby, the ball of baby, they would be like the tar baby, the tar baby, you know? And I was chocolate, which I have no problem with it. I love my, my skin color. But back then I was like, I was a country girl. You know, I grew up, like I had a kid, a real kid upbringing. So I was in the outside all the time, playing outside with my brothers, you know, messing with the horses, cows, riding on the bicycles. On the, you know, I had a real on the trampoline that was me I have was a real kid I was still playing Barbie dolls in middle school like I was a real kid <laughs> and so they them boys made fun of me and I I'm attracted to black men that's what I want I'm like that's what I'm attracted to and so the, the boys that I'm attracted to make fun of my skin color make me feel ugly and then I used to think that my dark skin was masculine looking because that's you know, when I was younger, I was just, I didn't know. And when I wouldn't even date a guy that was lighter than me, because I felt like when we held hands and I looked down and my skin, my hand was darker than his, I felt like I was the more masculine one. I know, am I crazy? So anyways, when I would wear makeup, it wasn't necessarily to hide. I was just hiding like I had dark spots on my forehead, just places. And I just was trying to hide that. And then, but I was just trying to make my eyes pop more with colors. So I would wear vibrant colors. I would wear vibrant, vibrant lip colors. Because I just feel like if anybody can wear color, it's black women. We can wear color and we wear it the best. But anyways, um, so yeah, you know, and that's kind of, I don't know. And I was good at art. I've always been an artist. I've been an artist all my life. I was drawing. I made, you know, paper dolls. You know, I had Barbie dolls. I would dress my cousins, do their makeup. I just I paint their toenails. Like, that's what I like to do. I like to draw. And so makeup, it kind of came easy. It was just easy. And then in high school, I was watching the Kardashians. And I'm, I'm just a girly girl by nature. But I play, I do tomboy stuff. I don't know. 
know, it just it just all rolls into one. It's just it's so many layers to it, so many memories, so many stories. So I noticed when you talk about your journey into makeup and all the experience that you've had doing makeup for family members and your cousins and your friends and stuff, and you seem so incredibly passionate about your business and what it is that you do. What is your purpose and how did you find it? I've known my purpose, I think, since I was in middle school. I've always knew that I wanted to work in the fashion and beauty industry. But with my mom, I have really a really close relationship with my the women in my life. And my mom didn't have an opportunity to have uh, female friendships and camaraderie because my dad is a very good looking man and he was young and he knew he was good looking. Okay. And he, you know, ran the streets and my mom was a, we grew up Pentecostal and my mom was a goody two shoes. I'm sorry. She just is. She's Snow White. Out of all the Disney princesses, she's Snow White. She has no edge to her. No edge at all. She's just very um, docile woman. You know, all, her, her dream was to have a family. That was her dream. But I've always known that my m- mission or my purpose is to uplift and embrace women. And that's just what I've always done. That's just who I've always been. Even when I was in middle high school, you know, me and my best friend is 18 years. We've gone through a lot. A lot of people would be like, well, I wouldn't be her friend if that, this, this, and that. But it's like, sometimes females don't know how to be friends. I was willing, I'm more patient with women. I've always have been. That's just always been who I am. I'm willing to, I feel like, you know, you just gotta be patient with us because we're crazy. And, you know, we just don't know any better. But I like, I just love, I just love embracing because women go through a lot. We be really, we're really, really hard on ourselves. And out of the hundreds of stories and women that I have met in my life, like we, we are some amazing individuals for real, for real. And we need to just constantly like embrace each other and remind one another of that. And I have to do that. For my, I do it hard on other women than I do myself, but I just know we hard on each other. So. That's my purpose, to embrace and uplift women. I've known that since I was in middle school. I've known it all my life. And it's because I just always wanted to be the woman that my mama didn't have, you know, in her life growing up. So I try to be that to other women. So you mentioned that you had, I think it was your grandmother had a degree, your mom. uh, I don't think she got a chance to do that, correct me if I'm wrong. But it seems as if you've had a lot of experience witnessing these incredible women in your life kind of move through life on their own journey and, and what that path is. So for you, being an entrepreneur, working for yourself, doing what you love to do. How do you define entrepreneurship and what that looks like in your life and your business? <laughs> that's, that's, that's a hard question. How do I define entrepreneurship? I'm going to give an easy answer and say, <laughs> I'm going to give an easy answer and say, it's, I define entrepreneurship as your own individual journey. <laughs> Your own individual journey towards elevation, elevating yourself constantly every day, your own individual journey of elevation. That's entrepreneurship. Hey, that worked. That worked. All I could think of the song. I don't know if you listen to J. Cole, but wait, J. Cole is my brother. (laughs) But... He has a song called Elevate. And so when you were, when you said that, I was like, yes, elevate on this entrepreneurial journey. We got this. And I'm a, I'm a random freestyle person too. So, cause that's why, that's why we're sitting. So I'll get back to it. <laughs> 
I was going to say, though, that, no, but for real, I think entrepreneurship, it, I like Nipsey, but entrepreneurship is, it forces, it forces you to elevate in all aspects of your life. It forces you to, because you don't have a choice. You're literally managing your entire life. Nobody, when you work for someone, they are somewhat managing your life for you because they tell you when to come to work, when to do this, this and that. But entrepreneurship, you are managing your entire life. You're managing your money, how you get money because when you work for someone you already know how you get money they tell you how you get money they tell you how much you're gonna get and it's easier to even budget like that when you already know what you're gonna have coming in every week you know you know how you can schedule being with friends or you know getting doctor's appointments and things in because you know it's just it's a set schedule sometimes or it rotates or whatever it may be but when you're an entrepreneur like if you're not on if you're not uh disciplined in aspects of your life everything around just gonna crumble everything right so that's why i say like with the balancing act it's just a constant adulting is constantly balancing and managing balancing and managing you said something that sparked my brain uh it's a journey but also it reveals you it reveals a lot of your insecurities that you didn't know you had it reveals a lot of areas of growth that it reveals a lot of the areas of growth that you didn't know you needed to grow in and being on an entrepreneur journey is literally like you said this teeter-totter balancing act of like okay I don't know how much money I'm gonna make this month but I gotta make the month you know I don't know the how but God is gonna provide the how I just gotta do the do right so with that it is so hard because you don't know what you don't know and when you're crossing these I'm gonna say mountains when you're trying to climb these mountains and then you miss a step and now you're falling back eight steps now you gotta go all the way back up to the same spot but in the process you are learning and growing and you don't know if it's going to help you or is this for your daughter is this lesson for your daughter is this lesson for the one of your clients that who's going to be talking to you and you like oh I've been through that boo let me give you this and it's just what you said is so important and I hope the listeners pick that up because that was such a beautiful gem and I just wanted to chime in on that no I think that was great I think that was um those definitely those important aspects and perspectives that I don't think is always considered and there's definitely been times in my own entrepreneurial journey but I was like yeah this will be fine that's <laughs> not the case. There's actually a scripture for what you just said. And I just have to read it because I have to every single time. Okay. So it is, um, you can find it in Ecclesiastes 11, one through three. Okay. And it says, send your grain across the seas and in time profits will flow back to you. But divide, oh, that's the wrong one. But basically it's going to say something as um, it's saying you can, what you do every day, you don't know whether or not it's going to uh, prosper. What you do today, whatever you put out you don't know if it's going to prosper tomorrow or four or five years from now but you should still put forth effort or effort towards your life every day i'm gonna find that scripture i'm gonna find it yes when you find it please share that is so powerful so glad so yeah okay i found it i found it okay so we can put it back in okay it says ecclesiastes 11 and 6 it says plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another or maybe both yeah that's and that's basically what you just said you like you don't you don't know I, I don't know if this is going to work. I'm just going to try it. Okay. I do not know. And that's the beauty of honestly, even with this podcasting, when I listen to podcasts, you know, people are just sharing their experiences. 
they're just sharing their experiences and you can either take heed because everybody is at a different place in their entrepreneurial journey. You can learn from everybody and what they did might not work, but you know that the option is out there. It might work for you. You might find a flaw or something in what they did that you can benefit from or you can be like, okay, I'm going to try it this way or I'm going to do it. Okay, they did it that way. Okay, that kind of worked, but how can I be like, it's like you got to get experiences or hear experiences in order to, I don't know, maneuver efficiently. No, you speak your real truth. Absolutely. So it makes me wonder, like with as long as you've had your business, as long as you've been on this journey with entrepreneurship and and you being a makeup artist, what is the most challenging aspect of being a business owner for you? Right now, the most challenging thing to me right now is like you said, I think um, Nikai said earlier, uh, is about just, you know, just taking care of business, taking care for me, because I'm, for me personally, I'm ADD or I suffer a lot from it even more with more responsibility on my um, plate. It's just, I can't do everything. That's where I'm at right now because it's so much to do. It's so much to do. It's, I got to think about the client acquisition aspect things, the experience that my, the experience, how can I keep making the experience better for my clients? How can I keep making this a luxurious experience? Because I need the experience to match the price point. And it's not just what I do it's the aesthetics okay all right of my business the aesthetics of my business. I love the fact that I have um, Nordstrom's and Neiman's background in Cosmo in, in customer service and retail and just in and just in cosmetics because I know how to somewhat appease that client. But you know, it costs money, you know, and I have to figure out a system for my business. Okay. That takes time because I have these other things I need to do first. That can take months. It takes It takes time. That's why every day you got to do something that's beneficial towards, you know, your life and to, to elevate because I have to have a particular look to, to attract a particular type of clientele. I mean, whether I, y'all people want to admit that or not, they can sit there and say all day, well, be yourself. I am being myself personality wise, but I'm not, I can't show up any kind of way. I just cannot. But my energy on the inside has to match. How do I make my energy on the inside match? Oh, I have to make myself feel good how do I make myself feel good I have to eat right I have to go to the gym okay I have to do like it's so many things okay everything ties in together there's no one thing that functions alone not even with your body and your organs so it's just a lot that's I'm sorry I can just go out on a tangent all day long I'm telling y'all but it's 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 just that like that's the main thing I can't do everything I can't do everything so I need help right now like I need a assistant I need somebody to do help me with my Instagram because Instagram alone even trying to market okay we're not even talking about the clients anymore let's talk about the trying to attract new clients you know and then trying to put myself out there on Instagram it's just it's so many layers so right now I just I would have to say just me needing help I can't do everything alone I can't do everything by myself and I've been doing everything by myself for a year and that is hard that is hard I'll make this really quickly and you are correct it is hard doing it by yourself and when I say I'm blessed to have these two ladies on this podcast with me because we all split up stuff like baby if it was me by myself it'd have been like I right, I get two episodes I'm, I'm out so but like what you said of like systems systems 
systems, you gotta have the fucking system in place, but also understand that like you are, <laughs> you are one person, but girl, delegate, delegate. And when you ask like, well, who you gonna delegate? You got a 16 year old daughter, baby. We can put it on payroll. How are we gonna put it on payroll? She does the TikTok. She does the um, Instagram. Get Canva. We, we just learned uh, the content pro content planner. Have her, hey, for an hour a week, this is your job. If you wanna go to wherever you trying to go and you need the money, you about to work because she's of age where you can put her on payroll. And on top of that, when you putting her on payroll, that gets back to you. And girl, we'll talk about that off camera and we'll talk a lot more about that. Um, but yeah, we, we're going to talk about your systems. So yeah. Speaking of systems, since we already during the course of the conversation figured out, you go to the gym, you have to do the marketing, you have to do the clients, you have to actually do your business. You have to do 50 million other things. What does a typical day for Brooke look like? I have no structure. Okay. I have no structure. I'm a real artist for real. I am a real, like what you think of an artist, that's me. Like I have never, like I said earlier, I'm a little ADD. I, artists, we don't work within boundaries. We don't, we can't have boundaries. Our mind doesn't operate that way. Cause how can we be creative with boundaries? Okay. So no, there is no structure. My life has no, <laughs> my I, I have clients today. Like I have two clients today after this podcast. And then, you know, I'm probably going to go to the gym. Okay. And then I'm probably going to get dressed to go out tonight with my homegirls. And then tomorrow I don't have any clients. So I'll probably go to church and uh, go to the gym, maybe. Depends on how I feel. And spend time with my daughter. We might go down to the farmer's market. Then Monday, I think I have three clients. But sometimes it's just sporadic. My life is like, it's not consistent. It's not. It's just taking care of what I can take care of when I can take care of at the time that I'm allocated today. That's really, it's, 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 it's not fancy at all. I wish it was, but it's not. <laughs> No, I totally get it. That's why I can't be an artist because the way my mind set up, I need structure. I need boundaries. I need boxes. I, I need all of that. But you keep saying you're an artist and I know you um, identified as a PMU. I think I know what that means. But if our listeners are like me and want to not guess or feel dumb for guessing, what does that mean? So a PMU is a permanent makeup artist or a permanent makeup up. PMU stands for permanent makeup, but PMUA would be permanent makeup artist. See, that's what I thought it meant in my head. So thank you, because I might know two or three things. Um, what is a top misconception people have about your business? I know most people probably think that you just sit around painting people's faces all pretty and getting their face beat. But what do you do? Because I know it's so much more than we could probably imagine. So I do, um, I offer permanent makeup. Um, right now, B-Beauty offers powder brow, the powder brow technique, and then microblading, and then also lip blushing. So lip blushing is permanent makeup or lipstick for your lips. Um, a lot of people don't know that we consume seven to nine pounds of lipstick or lip gloss in our lifetime. So if you're one of those people, a lot of women too have smaller, smaller lips. So keeping lip liner or lipstick on all day long, um, especially if you're not just a makeup guru and you're, you know, a woman, um, a professional woman who's always on the go. And then, you know, she, she would benefit from lip blushing or a woman who has pigmentation, uh, hyperpigmentation in her lips or discoloration in her lips uh, because of either, um, I don't know, a mole or, you know, birthmark, whatever the case may be. And she just wants a more even look 
for her lips, she can achieve that through lip blushing. And then with the eyebrows, the powder brow technique, honestly, I was just telling um, a, a person, a lady yesterday, you know, it's just a type, it's a tech, it's a form of shading of the brow where it's kind of like tattooing. But the reason why it's, it's different from tattooing because it doesn't last as long. We're not in the skin as deep. Um, with the tattoo, you're all the way down to the dermis. You have three layers of skin and you're all the way down. The dermis is your last layer of skin. It's the deepest part of your skin. That's why with tattoos, tattoos will last forever. PM, with permanent makeup, you're only on that top layer of the skin in the epidermis, which is the part of the skin that's constantly renewing, it's constantly sloughing off. So it only lasts depending on, depending on your age because age plays a role in that. It only lasts about a year to two years. A girl in her 20s whose skin cells renew a lot faster than a woman in her 40s or 50s probably won't have her brows as long as someone, her PM, her permanent makeup as long as someone that is a girl in her 20s wouldn't have her brows as long as someone in her that's more mature because of her skin cells renewing a lot faster. Okay. So with all podcasts, we do research and in our research, we found a couple of terms. I'm going to ask you if you can describe them and tell me what they are and what's the difference between these techniques. So what is the difference between microblading, fusion, and shading? And what are those techniques for the listeners? Okay. So microblading is a a technique where you're where I am manually applying hair strokes using a, uh, like a, a pen that has a blade that has about eight, 16 to 18 needles attached to it in a U shape stack like this, stack like this. And I'm like cutting it. Basically I'm, cu- I'm cutting into the skin, creating hair strokes. Okay. Uh, whereas the, the shading or the or powder brow, I'm just using a, tattoo pen and it's just had and it's uh, the needles is oscillating in the skin like creating little bitty dots in the skin it's going back and forth in the skin so i'm not actually tearing the skin why that technique is less invasive than the than the microblading okay and then with the fusion brow it's the combination of two so and most people want that technique sometimes because with microblading you're not going to be able to always create that fullness, you know, that people might want. They see, like, they look at my brows like, oh, I want that brow. But this brow was achieved with a pencil, okay? is I'm coloring my brows in. So you're going to get that density with shading. You don't get density with microblading. You just get the uh, the look of hair strokes. And it's 2D. It's not 3D. So it's not going to make it, you're not going to have that full look necessarily, unless you have hair. If you have no hair, then a, a woman, some most of the time will want to add shading. Now I go based off personality. Everybody doesn't, everybody doesn't want just a natural look. Okay. Nor does everyone want a made up look, that red carpet look all the time. And everybody's red carpet look is different. JLo's red carpet look would be very different from Meryl Streep's red carpet look from Beyonce's red carpet look to Rihanna or Doja Cat's red carpet look or Nicki Minaj's red carpet look. Everybody, if you even look at all their brows, the way they wear their brows are totally different, especially Beyonce, especially Beyonce in comparison to Nicki Minaj, who has a more stenciled brow. And there's nothing wrong with it because Nicki Minaj is beautiful. Beyonce is beautiful. It's just your own personal style. That what I, who I am as an artist, I do not like giving everybody the same look because it don't look right. It doesn't look right. It doesn't look right. You can't wear my brow. I can't wear your brow. 
Like it just doesn't look, and it's not, we don't have the same personality. Like, like the, like the quote she said earlier about how your makeup reflects who you are on the inside, right? You don't, I think that you're also with permanent makeup, your brow should reflect who you are on the inside as well. <laughs> so it sounds like you're going after the service. All of us young black girls did in them late nineties, early two thousands with them pencil thin eyebrows that we all have pictures of. And we are like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? But because everybody's brows are different and everybody wants a different thing, and it sounds like you are the wonderful permanent makeup artist who strives to maybe give people what they need and not always what they want. About how long does this process take? Because it seems like it could take a while. Um, honestly, it could take anywhere from, to be honest, 45 minutes to three hours. It really can. And it's not even the, it's not even the technique. It's not even the technique itself for being in the skin is the is it's the time before because I do my consultations in the beginning um until I can figure out a system to do a consultation before the um appointment. Uh so for me for a first time client it's going to take about two two hours. And then on your second treatment, which you'll come in four to eight weeks after and uh, that treatment is going to take a lot uh it'll be a lot faster. It could be 45 minutes to an hour, you know. But it's always about the prep. It's about the conversation that we're going to have in the very beginning that could take 30 minutes. I've had, I've had a conversation and gone back and forth with a woman with her brows for almost an hour. Okay. Yes. Because sometimes people want what they want. Everyone's personality is different, you know, and you can tell someone like that does not, that it's not going to look right. And I understand it's because it is when we do do the consult, it is, I'm going to give you my professional opinion, but at the end of the day, your brows, brows are trendy. Brows are trendy. So it's really just where you are at. But I'm just letting you know, long term, if this is what you want, this is the route you need to go as far as how we choose which technique. You know what I mean? Because microblading on some skin tones, some complexion, you know, it's, it's so layered. A lot of people think the misconception you were saying earlier, a lot of people think that, okay, I'm just going to just draw these brows on you. No, like your genetics play a role. Okay. Complexion plays a role. Hair color, all that stuff plays a role. The needle that I choose, how I go into the skin everybody's face is shaped differently okay your brows like nothing is symmetrical some people in their mind as you already know as you see people out here who get plastic surgery they want symmetry and if it doesn't look almost symmetrical to them then they they just can't it, they can't get past that. And it's so hard to create symmetry when your face isn't symmetrical. It's hard to create symmetry if your face isn't symmetrical. It's not anything I can do. I just try to enhance the brows that God gave you. God gave them to you. I'm just going to enhance them. But if anything else outside of that, you need to take that up with the Lord. You know what I mean? <laughs> can I beg to differ? God forgot about my eyebrows. <laughs> hush now. Hush right there. But that, well, baby, not not everybody blessed with thick bushes, and that's fine. But you touched on something so that triggered a conversation I had with a woman who did my brows way back yonder. She said all brows are twins, but they're not necessarily fraternal. Is that something that you believe in? I because one of my twins. <laughs> Oh, they're sisters. They're sisters. Oh, tell me more about that. I mean, I know from personal experience, one of mine go, has a higher arch than the other, and it's a constant struggle 
to get them to act right. One's fuller than the other. So yes, your professional opinion. Tell me more. You, about you and 40 million other women, okay, have brow, one brow. Look at me. Go look, go Google any picture of Beyonce. Beyonce has one brow that has a high arch. She's not making a face. You can go all the way back to the 90s. She has one brow that goes, another one that just goes round like this. Everybody's brows are like that. Every single, I have, I think Kate Moss, she's not even to me just beautiful like that but she was the highest paid maker i mean uh supermodel at one point because her face was so symmetrical because it's a rarity it's a rarity for people's face to be symmetrical i think even i think halle berry might have like a really symmetrical face but even her like if y'all go look up honestly the only person who has symmetrical brows is Barbie, okay? And the only person who tries to look like Barbie are drag queens, okay? You are women. You are women. That is hilarious. So, because we talked about brows being, they're all separate creatures who don't like to play nice with each other. What is the hardest part of microblading? Because you're you're trying to create a masterpiece on things that didn't even start out wanting to get along. The hardest part would be, uh, the hardest part of microblading is creating a pattern for the brow. You can't use the same pattern, hair pattern with everybody's hair because people, everyone's hair grows differently. And it's really weird, but sometimes the blade itself, when you are, when I'm creating the stroke and the skin follows their own, their natural hair pattern. It's really weird. The way the, I don't know if it's the way the, the skin or the brow is curving around the, the bone when you know, when I'm creating those strokes, but uh, that would be, it's the hardest part, but yet it's almost, it does its own natural thing when you are creating those strokes in the brow, but it is the hardest part. So a little birdie wants to know, can you grow eyebrow hair? Is there any supplements, any tools? I heard once before they said, if you put castor oil on your eyebrows, it'll make them grow thicker. So inquiring minds want to know. Can you speed up or give God some help if you weren't quite blessed in that department? Honestly, I've heard just like you have heard. I have <laughs> I have yet to see anybody with results. You know, I think maybe it has worked on some and and others not, you know, just like all products. But to be honest, honest, like the older we are, we are getting, we're losing our brow hair. Like you're losing it. That's why I tell my clients, the more, the fuller the brow, the more youthful the look. Because when you were younger, your brows were fuller. Your brows were fuller, bushier. If you look at your grandparents, they don't have any brows. They have none. It's not because they over tweeze them. It's not because that it's because they're loose. And I think it's because we don't get any blood circulation up here or something. I'm not really quite sure. I'm still doing my own research on that. I've, de- I've seen thousands and thousands and thousands of women and that from one age to the next from, you know, all races, all, you know, from whatever. And everyone's brows start to disappear as they get older. Okay. A scientific question. If we're talking about microblading or powder brows, you're talking about putting deposits with a gun or some kind of tool into your skin. Does that affect the rate of growth for your natural eyebrows, like your hair, um, putting those deposits in, does that weaken 
skin or damage your already existing hair kind of whatever i hope you understand what i'm asking i know exactly what you're saying no it does not damage the hair uh it, it could if the artist is cutting too deep in the skin that's why it's very important that you know your you know that your artist has done a lot of uh clients they've seen you've seen a lot of their work their 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 healed work at that you want to see healed results okay not just i want to see just the you know the the pretty stuff after right afterwards you want to see healed results and a lot of clients in the beginning will ask me well how long have you been doing this how long have you been doing it it's not about how long she's been doing your artist has been doing anything you want to know how many clients she's touched because a girl my first year i had only touched three faces and i told you i did i've been doing this for a year would you have trusted me you know what i mean my first year three faces the next year i was doing 15 clients a week you know what i mean so there's a huge difference from you know a girl who's been doing it for five years only touched 300 faces from a girl who's been doing it for two years and touched 700 faces you know you want someone with a lot of experience a lot of experience okay i promise my last question and i'm done is this a field that is regulated in regards to like a schooling a certification anything else i know experience trumps but oh it's not nope it's not it's not regulated like it needs to be. That's why I also, too, I, I think that especially if a girl or a woman that you are just an artist, I'm sorry, an artist uh, that you decide to go to, if she if they are fairly new, if they tell you they've been doing it for a year or two. I think they should be under a seasoned artist. They should be under it's not because it's not regulated there. You don't have to have a license in Texas to do microblading. You don't have to, like in Oklahoma, you have to be under a um, physician or a doctor. You have to be like, kind of like uh, with people who do Botox. In Texas, you do. In Texas, you have to be uh, under a, like I think within so many miles of a doctor, if you're going to do Botox or do any kind of like a med spa-esque treatments. But with this, the only thing you have to have is a tattoo license. You don't even have to go to tattoo school. Like you don't have to you know, people can just be learning off the internet and or off YouTube and go buy the tools and saying, oh, I offer this. Okay, I lied because I can't leave it there. How do you not have to go to school to get a tattoo license? And where are people just randomly getting these tattoo guns? You there, mm -hmm, there's a, uh, there's websites. So, okay, so legitimate. Okay, so I've, I don't know. I don't know. They could be getting tattoo guns from uh, from Amazon. That's where you get those cheap ones. You get the cheap tattoo guns from Amazon, $200. You know, uh, the machine that I have, uh, mine was $1,000. And I got it from Kingpin Tattoo Supply, which with them, you have to have a tattoo license, which costs $1,000 to even get a, to even be licensed under your studio to be licensed. Because you're really just getting your studio license. Um, and you got to go through a whole bunch of regulations in that regard. But yeah, certain tattoo websites, so like there's a Franklin's tattoo in Dallas. He won't even let you, he won't even let you purchase anything out of there if you don't have a tattoo license. You have to prove that you have a tattoo. You have to show your tattoo license and you have to have an account there. Um, if you want to be legit, it is a, it's a process, but I mean, you don't have to, not necessarily have to. I mean, you, people can work out of the nail salon, okay, and offer brows. You know, you don't want to go to the nail 
nail lady anyways for your brows. She does nails, not brows. You know, She's the nail lady. Okay. I was just going to say, I agree with that for multiple reasons. Like if you're a nail, that's your specialty. Don't mess up my eyebrows because that happened to me before. But I find this really interesting that any young woman or artist can go get this stuff. And then you over here messing up people's eyebrows for at least two years. So they over here looking stuck on stupid and it's not even their fault. Like, and I'm like, how you, who do you, uh, sorry, who do you even sue? Like, can I even sue this person? Because technically there's no regulation and it's like, well, technically you should have did your research before and you didn't ask the right questions. And you know, this, this is mind blowing. Yeah. You need to like, um, I've seen some horrible work and another thing too, and these women can come from all backgrounds. They could have worked at, you know, Bath and Body Works two weeks ago and decided to start doing permanent makeup. She has no background in beauty. She has no background in art. She don't understand color. That's the thing about, that's why for me, like if I do, when I do start hiring other artists, they're going to have to have at least five years in cosmetics. Because even, okay, that's fine. You can know the skin, estheticians, whatever the case may be. That's cool. But you don't understand color. You haven't played with color. Okay. Because color changes. Everyone's skin texture is different. You should be able to see and spot color without running tests. Okay. Well, this looks like this. No, I want my artists. They need to know foundation, eyeshadows, all that stuff plays a role. Like the choice in color that you choose for makeup for a client has everything to do with their own undertones and their hair color and their eye color. It's, 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 it's too many variables that you have to consider when choosing color for each client. So even more so if you're implementing it in the skin, it's variables when you just put it on top of the skin, you can wipe it off. It can change the game or it can just change the game in a positive way or change the game in a negative way, even with makeup. So with permanent makeup, I mean, I've seen some I, stuff that I don't even understand. But again, that's why like a lot of clients, a lot of people need to understand too, with permanent makeup, it's a process. You're not going to get your ultimate end result on the first treatment. I don't know your skin like that. I don't know you. I have to be conservative in my color choice. I have to be conservative in how I implement the color in the skin. I need to be conservative so that I can give myself an opportunity to go to a level six, seven, eight, nine, or 10. If you're already wanting me to achieve that on the first treatment and then it goes wrong and the color is too dark or the color is too gray, or, you know, you want, I can't lighten the color. I can't go lighter and I can't go thinner. It needs to like, it needs to be a gradual, like a gradual process. And I always tell my clients, like I grew up conservative, like I grew up Pentecostal. I have mastered conservativeness. Like, let me, like, let this be a thing. And even I like to, you know, treat my client. I like to give my clients a, what I call a tennis shoe brow. Okay. Let me give you the brow that you would have when you wear tennis shoes and sandals when it's just a casual day. And then you can create your stiletto brow with makeup. Okay. You can do that more dramatic brow with makeup, but you won't be fighting, trying to get the perfect brow because I've already created that stencil for you. I've already created the stencil for you. So all you got to do is fill it in a little bit and go about your day. 
That sounds good. And I was also thinking we're dealing with permanent makeup. I have a couple of tattoos. So we're also talking about skin keloids, especially skin of color. And to get somebody who is not familiar with any of that or like oil production, I imagine that plays a part into this whole situation. Oh my goodness. This, yeah. yeah the key, the keloid, I have not experienced it. And I think that if a, if a client is to keloid, then that artist cut way too deep in the skin. You should not cut that deep or be that deep in a, in a person's skin to cause them to keloid. Most of them people keloid, they have been pierced all the way through the dermis. They've been pierced all the way through the dermis, cut all the way through the dermis, whatever the case may be, for them to, to keloid. You should not be that deep in that person's skin. And the thing is, the, the epidermis layer of the skin, that top layer is so thin. It's so, so, so thin. If you don't, it's a catch 22. I even have a post on my Instagram account um, at bbeauty underscore studio that I tell my clients like, hey, like it's a catch 22. Um, if you want that crisp look every single time you come in to get your refresh on your brows after microblading, you just know that they're not going to last a year because the deeper I cut in the skin, the longer the pigment is going to be in the skin, the more likely I have, I am to scar you and um, the likelihood that the color could turn in the skin. And also the color is going to be really dark. It's a possibility that color can get really dark. You know, you have some women who want uh, a soft brown color. Or they want something, a soft look. Well, if I create a soft look, then it's it's not necessarily the color I choose. They want the color. If you want it to look natural, then it needs to match your hair color. So I've got to be mindful about the color that I choose. I'm going to have to be kind of shallow in the skin. And the more shallow I am in the skin, the less time your brows, uh, you'll have your brows. You'll probably have them for like a year, which is normal. That's how long your br- you should have your brows. Brows are trendy. Okay. Like you said, in the nineties, we were over tweezing our brow. You don't want to have to go into, to 2040 with some brows that were very 2010 or 2020. You know what I mean? You want to have that option of being able to like adjust with the time, you know, give yourself that. I mean, I understand. And, and, and it, it, it is an investment. Okay. That's why my tagline is own your beauty because beauty is a luxury. Botox, the upkeep makeup lipstick is a luxury. It's not a necessity. It is a luxury. So, and this is an investment and you want to invest in this and tattooing. Don't be cheap because there are women that's coming in. They are looking there. They are. And I'm not saying that I didn't ruin some brows out there. I did. I kind of did. Not really. You know, I hate that. I hate that. I hate to, I hate to stroke my ego like that, but I really didn't. I did it really good. But other than maybe like with Caucasian women, um, who are blonde or redheads or just really fair skin, microblading can leave, uh, scar tissue it just can um their skin is thinner uh so they tend to scar that pinkish tone so you'll probably have that red scar tissue i don't know if y'all seen some women who have that pink or reddish stuff in their brow it's because they probably had permanent makeup and the girl or the artist before them cut really deep in their skin okay i'm done i am just i'm speechless for multiple reasons one because i don't have no eyebrows and i'm like ooh, i want some but now with all that i'm like lord can you just create me a personal stencil and I'll just put it on here and that'll be good. You got to teach me how to do all just, of that. Just let me do them. Just, I got you. Just let me all right. do them. 
I'm I'm gonna let you do them because baby ain't nothing here and I was like is this why I really look like 76 um but I love what you said of like own your beauty and so my question to you is what do you want to be remembered for like what do you want your legacy to be I want my legacy to be that I inspired in a lot of women I are inspired people I want to um I don't know that I was just a I just want to I just want to put out good energy I want to do right by people. Um, I want to help people. I want to have, you know, created, I don't know, bosses, future bosses, or just confident women who just take on the world and own it. I love that. And so what would be one actionable step you will add, you will tell all new artists coming after you or your new artists that you're hiring? Because like you said, you're the boss, you're the entrepreneur, you're creating jobs. Um, I guess I would tell them as far as I, I even with people when they ask me about you know getting into makeup artistry I just think that you should be around other artists I think when you, if you're starting out don't start off by yourself um start up under somebody or go to a uh, a studio that has multiple artists in there you're going to get the learning curve is a lot faster because you're learning other people's mistakes and other people's techniques now you're having to go pay to go to these seminars just to see somebody else's technique you're paying five thousand dollars to see somebody else's technique for them to teach you their technique when you can just be around seven other artists and you can just learn all their techniques for free while you're also learning, while you're also getting getting paid. I mean, that's a gem. If she, if y'all did not pick that up, that's y'all fault because she just gave y'all some free advice that most people pay, like what you say, like $5,000, $7,000 to get. And she gave it to y'all for free, meaning she just literally gave y'all the blueprint of how to get the free information. And if you didn't pick it up, you need to rewind it and listen it again. And if you still didn't get it, that's your fault. But moving on. <laughs> Before we get into our moments of melanation, y'all know we need to pay the bills. And as if you don't, if you're like me and you don't have eyebrows and you wish you did, it's called and you wish the grass is green on the other side. That's who we're sponsored by. So we're from our sponsors. Hey, beautifuls. This message is brought to you by the grass is greener on the other side, where we help women who have anger, sadness, and shame from being cheated on learn how to heal and take their power back so they can regain confidence, restore their peace, and attract the life of their dreams. We can be found on IG at Brianna underscore Latrice. That's spelled B-R-I-A-I-N-A underscore L-A-T-R-I-C-E. And for all of the Where's My Blueprint podcast listeners, we're offering free 15-minute discovery calls. So if you're ready to regain and restore that self-love, self-worth, and self-belief back in yourself, shoot me a DM for a free discovery call today. Because my motto is, honey, leave that cheater and find your peace. If you're interested in joining my new course, Rejection is Redirection, using your past as a reference, not a residence, you can email me at affairrecoverycoach at gmail.com or you can shoot me a dm at brianna underscore latrice see you on the call okay so brooke we do a segment called moments of melanation moments of melanation and in this segment it is where we highlight a black person doing the dang thing today we are highlighting today we are highlighting thomas jennings who was a tailor and built a massive reputation around his skills culminating in opening his own clothing store in 1821 he is revolution like he revolutionized this uh process called dry scoring i think i'm saying that right dry scoring uh which earned him the distinction of the first african-american 
American to receive a patent. So we've talked about the importance of patents and patenting your work and how for a really long time that hadn't really been in the cards for Black people in this country. And he's noted as being the first African-American to receive one of those. So this dry scoring process is actually what led to what we now utilize as dry cleaning. He invented that, which is insane, right? That's incredible. And so he actually used the money from his uh, invention to actually buy the freedom of his wife and his children because they were enslaved at the time. I think he was born in 1790 something, something like that. So once he got the money from his invention, he utilized this, worked as an abolitionist, worked, um, you know, as Taylor, just doing all these things in order to buy the freedom for his family because he had the money from his invention to do so. So what do you ladies think of Thomas Jennings, his journey and being able to invent something that we utilize to this day across the world? Brooke, what do you think? It's just that it just inspires me to like push even further because the amount of resources and the education level that he was operating from to create that and provide that for his family is I I just it just makes me feel like I have. I have no excuse. I have no excuse at all. I have no excuse. Like, well, that's why I'm always constantly like, even with telling people like, and when people could be complaining, especially especially about our culture, like, we don't have no excuses. You can't say you want it. And, and he had less resources and opportunities because of the laws, everything that was that that the powers of be. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just amazing. Like, this just makes me want to learn more about his story. Like, was he enslaved? Like, how did he secure his freedom? Like, was his, the person who um, enslaved him, was he a tailor? And is that how he learned? Like, this whole story is so fascinating. And that's why I'm so glad we do these moments of melanation, because you get to learn more Black history than you do the same five people you learn about during Black History Month. But that's Hold another tangent. No, I totally agree. And I love that one because he's a tailor and you know, that's one of my goals in life. But not just that, but like you both said, like the limited resources he had, but also how he decided and he made a choice to be able to be great, to be able to take a chance on himself to go get a patent, to be able to save money. And not only that, if I'm not mistaken, uh, not a history bunk or whatever, but uh, um, to be able to know where his kids and his wife was to be able to buy their freedom because back in the day when they sold you you don't know where you went or anything like they broke up families and so to be able to figure out how to keep your family together and then another thought is not only that but to be able to work with that slave master and that slave master be an accomplice to be able to keep that family together to teach him a skill to then be able to buy his own freedom back that's just it's just multifaceted to me and I think this is awesome girl that just proves the Lord be working and touching through everybody hard. Even the people who don't want to be touched, who don't want to, you know, do right by people. The Lord has a way of orchestrating everything to be for his good and for the good of those who are caught up on it. Thank yes, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I do know that um, I didn't see anything about the locations of where his wife and children were, but it may have something to do with the fact that he was born in New York. And so he wasn't, he himself wasn't in the South, but I didn't find any information at least not in the research that I was able to to find thus far on where exactly his wife and children were but in some way shape or form they needed to be free and he handled his business in that aspect okay 
I love that. And so thank you for that one, Miss Sunny D. And everybody, you know, we end every single episode with an affirmation. Today, we have the honor of having Miss Brooke in our um, episode with an affirmation. Go girl. Okay. So I thought that I would give an affirm- my one of my favorite scriptures. I'm a scripture girl. I'm a church girl. So um, it's 1 Corinthians 9 and 24. Okay. And it reads, well, it's 24 through 20. But it reads, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an an internal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. But basically, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. So that is powerful. And it reminds me of something TD Jake said in one of his little short clip, but um, he was like, you got to run, you got to run out there. And that makes sense where he got the scripture now. (laughs) But he was like, you got to run, you got to run after your goals. You got to run after your dreams. You have to run because like as the eagle, the eagle doesn't frolicate. Is that a word? Frolic? No. Okay. Frolic? Yes. Frolicate? Probably not. Okay. Well, the eagle doesn't frolic with the chicken because at the end of the day the eagle can soar higher than any other bird so therefore why would you belittle yourself and run with chicken heads when you can be the boss and run (laughs) and run the whole company and soar so yeah I like that thank you what about y'all you just had to take it there you could not help yourself you were doing so good you know you do this a lot you be on a roll and then somehow we end up way left and it's like it's very on brand for you though you're you're if anything you consistent well thank you thank you and with that before we head out um brooke tell everyone sorry tell all of our listeners where they can find you your handles website how to book appointment everything yes you can find me on instagram at b.beauty with an e that's b-e-a-u-t-e underscore studio um you can also visit my website at bbeautymedspa.com i know one says studio one says medspa just just work with me people and then uh facebook same thing bb medspa and i think that's it oh you can book through booksy but uh my booking handles or links are on my instagram account and on my website okay Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody. We want to say thank you for listening to this powerful episode. Please, please, please heed the advice that Brooke has given you. Bet your makeup artist. Bet your permanent makeup artist. So you will not be going around here with some cracked up eyebrows. So with that, we want to say thank you. Follow us on all social media, Amazon, (laughs) Spotify, Google Podcasts. Check out our blog at Where's My Blueprint pod.com and with that we are over and out bye peace out bye